Police officer who kicked young Indigenous man in the head won't face criminal charges. Fire breaks out at the Donkin Mine in Cape Breton. The BC government recommends that Surrey continue with creating its own police service. But the mayor of Surrey wants the RCMP to stay. And the Colorado party wins in Paraguay, continuing their 70-year-long reign of that country. Good morning. It's Monday, May 1st. Happy May Day. Happy International Workers' Day. Tell your boss to take a hike. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. First up, a really disgusting story out of Alberta from the past couple of days. The province's police investigation bureau, the ACERT, released a decision on Thursday related to the case of Edmonton Police Service Constable Ben Todd. Ben Todd stood over Pacey Dumas, who was 18 at the time and only weighed 90 pounds, pointing a firearm at him and then kicked him in the head. Dumas was on the ground because police had ordered him out of his mother's house and to crawl towards the officers on his stomach. There had been a 911 call to his home. A witness described Ben Todd kicking Dumas's head, quote, as if you're kicking a soccer ball, reports Johnny Wakefield in the Edmonton Journal. The force knocked Dumas unconscious. The police then handcuffed him. Paramedics who were present had to ask the police to remove the handcuffs several times. Then Dumas was rushed to the hospital in life-threatening condition. They had to remove a part of his skull, and the injury is life-altering, says the ACERT report. ACERT didn't recommend that Ben Todd be charged because the Crown was, quote-unquote, unwilling to prosecute the case. The Crown said that they couldn't prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt. Todd is on paid leave and still might face discipline for misconduct. The Dumas family is outraged, of course. Dumas has filed a lawsuit against Todd and the police services for $400,000. And if you are in Edmonton on Saturday, May 6th, there will be a rally for justice for Pacey. It'll be outside of the Alberta Justice Building at 9833 109th Street. And folks are being asked to wear orange. Next, we go to Cape Breton. You might remember a few months ago, I talked about the Donkin coal mine. It's been the subject of health and safety complaints. Many, many health and safety complaints. Since last September, they had faced 19 orders, 15 warnings, and eight administrative penalties, to be exact. Well, last night, a fire broke out underground. CBC News is reporting that the fire may have broken out as a result of one of the mine's conveyor belts. The local fire department responded to the fire, but couldn't get help from local volunteer detachments because they weren't trained to go underground to stop an underground fire. Duncan didn't comment, and a security guard told a CBC News reporter that staff couldn't talk because they were too busy underground. Now, in this story, CBC doesn't name the reporter, nor does the article have a byline. The workers at the Donkin Mine are not unionized, and I bet will be less than eager to get underground when they're called back to work. Next, there's an interesting fight brewing in Surrey, British Columbia, over who should continue to provide police services to the city of Surrey. The province has recommended that the city keep its independent municipal force and transition away from the RCMP, but the local mayor, Brenda Locke, said that they'll be sticking with the RCMP. 
Now, this is a story that reaches back several years, and I had to look up other articles to actually get the background to be able to have any idea of what the heck was going on. And so uh, here it is. Back in 2018, the city voted unanimously to switch from the RCMP to a new municipal police force. Locke was part of that majority team that voted for the unanimous decision, but she's since changed her mind. The municipal force was created in 2020. Since, the municipal force has been working with the RCMP to transition into having their own force. Locke was recently elected, promising to stop the switch and keep the RCMP as Surrey's municipal force. The province's recommendation also comes with money. They'll pay up to $150 million to help the city transition to a municipal force, but they won't pay anything if the city decides to revert back to the RCMP alone. The last time Surrey had a municipal police force was in 1951. The province is suggesting a municipal police force because of what it is called a chronic staffing shortage at RCMP detachments across British Columbia, reports the CBC's Justin McElroy. The province was also concerned about the findings from the Mass Casualty Commission in Nova Scotia related to the deficiencies within the RCMP. The Surrey RCMP has about 160 vacant positions. They also have the largest local RCMP detachment in Canada. Now, what's not clear in this article is why Locke wants to stick with the RCMP or why her mind changed since 2018. Her biggest complaint in the article is that the province's report on all of this has redacted pages, which is for sure weird. That's not explained why the province would have passed the municipality a report that had redacted pages. But it's not exactly an argument to stop what her city had started two years ago. While the Surrey police chief is quoted as saying that he wants to build a policing model that focuses on the needs of the community, the only issue raised about the RCMP is related to understaffing. So I took a bit of a look at whether or not the Surrey police or the RCMP have been involved in anything bad. Well, on April 1st of last year, the RCMP shot and killed a man. A week later, the RCMP killed another man. In that case, they had arrived for a wellness check and they shot him inside of a residence. They had also killed someone in 2015 and lied about the circumstances, but were exposed when the audio of the interaction was leaked online. And in 2019, they shot and killed two people inside of a home. The RCMP had initially implied that one of the people had killed the other, but it turned out that both were killed by RCMP officers. This is pretty high stakes politics and people have a lot to lose here. So um, it'd be very interesting to dig into exactly what is driving Locke's decision to say that they should stick with the RCMP and is perhaps also a cautionary tale for any municipality that's considering getting rid of the RCMP in favor of a municipal force. And finally, after a tightly contested election in Paraguay, Santiago Peña has won. Peña is 44 years old and a former banker and IMF economist. He also, quote, married his childhood sweetheart and became a father for the first time at 17, unquote. That's literally how Reuters is reporting it. I would probably explain that in a different way. Peña has pledged to keep taxes low in Paraguay and attract foreign investment to the country. His party, the Colorado Party, edged out Efrain Elegram, the leader of a center-left party called the Concertation Coalition. Elegram, though representing a center-left party, still has far-right positions on abortion and queer rights. Paraguay is a very Catholic country. While Peña's party 
was expected to likely win despite the tightness of the race. There have been two top members of the Colorado party, including former President Horatio Cartes, who've been sanctioned by the U.S. over corruption allegations. Many argue that Pena is just a puppet of Cartes, considering how he was handpicked to run and how close the two are. The Colorado party has been in power in Paraguay for seven decades through democracy and dictatorship. Pena won with 42.7% of the vote. The big pressure on the party will be whether or not they continue to formally recognize Taiwan. Paraguay is one of the few remaining 13 countries in the world that recognize Taiwan, and many Central and South American countries have recently stopped formally recognizing Taiwan. The pressure is coming from China. Those are your headlines for Monday, May 1st. As I said at the beginning, happy May Day. Happy, happy May Day. It's always a rainy day in Quebec City, and today is no exception. So I hope that regardless of whether or not you have late April showers for this International Workers' Day, that you find a way to celebrate for yourself because workers don't get enough love. And sometimes we got to give that love to ourselves. I will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>